Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the West Coast Preps podcast. Starting to lose track of how many of these we've done now. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlantoon. We've got a special guest. I think this month, in the last month and a half, I've seen him more than my family. It sounds like I'm sure Greg would agree with <laughs> on that as well. Ty Brown. Ty, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Um, you know, it's been great getting to, getting to see you guys out at the various events and, uh, you know, watching you guys kind of build your platform. I know a lot of the kids that, that uh, you know, follow you guys on Instagram and social different social medias are are very, very excited. And I know my kids are always super happy, like, oh, man, I got a picture and it's got the little West Coast Press logo at the bottom. So it, it's a great thing you guys are doing. I mean, we're, we're glad to see you guys around doing your thing. Thank you. We really appreciate you saying that. Um, and we, we've had a few kids say that. And Dion also said that one of our last people said that's going to be the stamp. So it's always nice hearing kids saying they're excited about that sort of thing. It's, it's good for the kids to see their names get recognized, especially now in California where you can't play until January. And you're just probably watching ESPN. You've seen these kids in Texas playing out here. All they have right now is just working out with their friends. Yeah. And so I think, it's, like I said, man, when those kids see the little, you know, they see the little watermark at the bottom of the picture, you know, they get a little bit excited, man. So it's good stuff, man. I really, like I said, we just appreciate all the coaches and, and trainers and all the kids, you know, the platform you guys are providing for these young men and women. Definitely. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. So you guys have helped us out a lot. And yeah, so to just, in, just introduce yourself to the crowd a little bit more. Just tell us more about who you are and what you're doing right now. Uh, yeah, my name is Ty Brown. Uh, I'm the co-head coach at Davis High School. Uh, I'm also one of the co-founders and head trainers over at uh, Lead Athletic Training, or what we call EAT Training. Uh, we're located out of Davis, the Davis and Woodland area, kind of Yellow County. So we're just outside of Sacramento, kind of in between like uh, Vacaville in that area. Um, you know, like I said, we really just kind of looked and we saw that in our area that, you know, there wasn't really anyone kind of providing those types of services, you know, for the young student athletes. Um, and what we saw is that a lot of parents were always running into them. They're like, man, I, I got to go from Dixon to Sacramento. I got to go from Woodland to Sacramento or Winters and kind of some of these small, like, 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 hey, quote unquote, podunk towns. And so we said, well, man, if we could kind of build something in this area where like, you know, all those little kind of pocket areas could kind of get to us. And then we could, you know, get a chance to get those kids some exposure. Um, you know, we got a young defensive end out of Dixon, uh, you know, Kanye Smith. Uh, he had a chance, you know, to take himself and go down to the exclusive speed combine and kind of get his name like outside of just his little sector. Um, so I think it's been really, really good for that. Um, I'm also I work in the special ed department at Davis High School. Uh, I've got a master's degree in coaching athletic administration, as well as an undergraduate degree in business administration and marketing. Um, I was the kid who went the junior college route from high school, went to American River College from there, took my talents down to University of Louisiana Monroe. So shout out to all my Warhawk people out there. Um, but, you know, it's just, it was, a, you know, a lifelong dream of kind of, you know, I, I remember watching a thing about Dirk Nowitzki and how he went to this, like, this training academy. And I was like, well, man, what if we brought, like, something like that to the States and, like, kind of like that thing? And so I kind of always had this vision and this goal of what I wanted to do. And then, like I said, it was getting with, you know, both John Murphy and Chris Bruin. Uh, shouts out to both those guys and kind of, you know, formalizing this whole idea and kind of making eat, you know, come to come to fruition and, and make it a reality. And then where did you come up with eat? It's, it's the nice little acronym that you got. Uh, actually, yeah, that was the creation of Chris Bruin. Um, before I was, a, before I was, I called it like what was called the Brown Institute for Sports Performance. And my wife was like, that's too much. It's too <laughs> much. 
And Chris was like, no, man, like we got to make this thing going. And so Chris came up with, he had designed the logo. Um, he came up with the acronym. Um, and it just, it was one of those things, man, it just took off. You know, we started telling kids like, hey, man, you know, stay hungry or, you know, like never full. And, you know, like the logo behind me, like it just, it just took off, man. And it was one of those things where it just made sense and, and people started doing it. And we just, we were like, wow. We actually, we tried to, uh, we tried to, to get the domain name eat.com but it actually belongs to a uh if i'm not mistaken it was a mayonnaise or a ketchup company that actually owns the rights to that so there you go no greg i think you gotta look that up i think we gotta look that up as i asked yeah. this question greg look that up and see who actually owns that website i think that's something we gotta so it was it was it was a funny thing like i was like what i mean one of my business partners he was like yeah look at he's like it's like a, like a condiment company or something like that so i was like what but yeah, so it's it's been a really good good thing. Uh, we feel that you know, obviously, given what's happened right now with with the pandemic situation, the fact that we were able to kind of um, you know provide this service for for student athletes, um, I think the parents really 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 welcome that. Um, the other thing that we did too was that we saw that like hey like you know we knew that parents were very very concerned about the whole COVID situation, and so one of the first things that we did was we said well hey you know our trainers are going to commit themselves to once a month testing so that parents can come out and know that their kids are safe. So like typically like I, I wear a little lanyard, like if I'm in the grocery store or something like that, that says like, hey, I'm COVID negative. So like, please don't be afraid of me. Um, some people find it, you know, fun people do kind of kind of entertaining right now. And they say, hey, you know what, man? Like actually I feel a lot bit better about walking by you because like that's our whole thing. It's like we're concerned about it. Um, I just think it's also just giving it a high level of, of, of comfort and, and a level of safety to the parents and student athletes that I work with as well. And also too, when I'm showing up to these showcase events now, parents can know that like, hey man, like, you know, we know that coaches aren't, aren't bringing it, you know, to these events. So that's one way that we're making sure that we're keeping the student athletes safe as, as they do go to these events as well. And going off that too, just with California, just kind of not being able to play for the next few months. I know we spoke with someone else a couple weeks ago, they just said California is kind of behind the eight ball, obviously with other states being able to play high school football right now in California, we have to wait till January. So how especially important is what you're doing just right now in the middle of a pandemic where kids have to wait three, four more months to get some competition and play and get their film out there while we're watching all these other states every Friday, Saturday, Thursday night, whatever it is on national TV, get their opportunities to get this film in 11 on 11th. I think it's become <clears throat> even much more important. And I think that the, I think before high school coaches saw the personal trainers, like we were kind of at odds with each other. I don't think that we, we were thinking the same thing. And I think now though, the high school coaches are saying, man, you know, kind of thank God for the personal trainers because my kid's not allowed to come and work out with his high school team. He can't come and work out with his teammates. I don't have access to him. You know, Hey, at least I know that he's with some, you know, trained professional, hopefully that's getting them, you know, going in the right direction. So I think it's been extremely important. If I'm a kid from California, you're looking at recruiting where I'm not just recruiting California kids, I'm recruiting Texas kids. And if I'm the University of Nevada or if I'm UNLV or if I'm USC and kids in Texas are playing and I can see them play, well, that's obviously, you know, a competitive advantage. So the only way that we can kind of, uh, that we can kind of help our guys kind of circumvent that or at least help them, you know, combat that is by giving them these, these, um, these events and these showcases and providing, you know, like, uh, like real time training techniques and things like that to kids. So, you know, I think there's two types of people that you're seeing right now, basically, you're seeing what we, what people affectionately called the Instagram trainer, the guys that see a couple of things on Instagram, go out there to the park and they're just like, okay, boom, we're doing it. 
And then I think there's guys that really understand like how that we're trying to make sure that the movements and the things that we're teaching that they actually translate to you being a better athlete on Friday night if you're a football player, on a Wednesday night if you're a wrestler, or Saturday if you're a tennis player, badminton player, whatever it is. But it's giving them the training that actually benefits them so that when they go out there and play, not just a bunch of like, hey, man, we're just throwing some cones out here, running around for an hour, let's look good, take a couple videos. No, we want to give you skills and things that are going to be substantial to you being, being a better player come Friday night. Yeah, and then so we'll kind of go off that as well. What's some of the things that you really focus on with your athletes? Is there a certain part that you deal with that you specialize in when you're training your athletes? Yeah, we really look at a lot of what I like. I I use like use the term corrective movements. Um, what we what I found out from watching even some of the most elite high school athletes is that they don't move well. They're not, and when I say move well, there it's too many steps in and out of the break. They're not sitting their hips down to, to, you know, not pushing off the correct foot, things of that nature. Or, you know, they're getting their inside ankle bone too low and, and you know, getting what I call the Derrick Rose syndrome. <clears throat> so a lot of what, what I talk about, too, is just like stacking what I call column stacking. So stacking the feet correctly, not getting too wide, not getting too narrow, but finding that balance so that you can push and work lateral movement. Um, we also, you know, we really, really work, too, a lot about trying to keep the inside ankle bone high because we feel that doesn't put as much stress on some of the um, some of the knee ligaments down there. Um, obviously, there's times though where you do have to play off the inside edge to make certain you know movements, but you really really want to make sure you keep that inside ankle bone high. So a lot of what we talk about though is just straight straight movement things. Like, hey, listen, do you realize that you just took six steps to get in in and out of a comeback break? Hey, listen, it's astounding that at the high school level that you are a you know that you're an all league all section type guy. Hey man, but listen, in college where the athletes are all, or all of them are that, this is how you're going to have to get out of that break. And so it's, it's reconditioning and refixing some of the movement patterns that they've picked up over time. So I, I really look at it that way. Um, I look at guys, uh, you know, like Rome, the trainer, um, there's Chad Hale, UTP, um, DB select, uh, train deliberate. Um, those are some of the guys who, um, you know, I've kind of looked at some of what they do and, and kind of tried to take some um, bits and pieces of that program as I've built the EAT program as well. Um, you know, shouts out to all of them. I think that the, some of those are some of the best and the best at what they do. Um, Brandon Younger, Joiner Elite. Um, you know, there's some really, really good people that I've had a chance to go out there and study under and, and ask questions about, uh, you know, and it's been really good. Um, you know, obviously, I really appreciate, you know, Brandon Thompson at DB Select and Rome the Trainer. Um, those are two people that I talk to constantly all the time about different uh, technique aspects about football and different stuff like that. So shout out to both those guys. They've been instrumental in helping me develop as a trainer. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit different before I was a high school coach. And so it was just about, you know, football. And I think now it's more about movement coaching and you're understanding how important that just movement is to all sports. Um, I think it was unique for me because I also had the chance where I was also like, I was the girls varsity badminton coach for three years. And so I even had a chance to go in and work with the Olympic badminton coach and look at how people moved in badminton. And there were things that I looked in badminton and said, wow, if you brought that to football, that actually translates and works. And so, um, you know, even being able to draw on what I call a niche sport, you know, and, and some of the things that that discipline requires, um, you know, but I, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Uh, you know, I don't, I never proclaimed to be that say, oh, I'm the best trainer out there. Any of that stuff. Uh, what I strive to be is I, I strive to be the best learner. And uh, I think if you're working every day to strive to be the best learner, then that will be the continual growth and development. And that will lead you to being the best that you can be. Uh, I stress to my athletes a lot. It's not about 
the other people. It's not about other guys. It's about our development, our pace, you know, and our time, our time schedule and time frame. And I think that's a, uh, that's an incredible lesson to learn too, is become a sponge when people are talking. Yes. Take everything in, try it. It might not work for you. It might just not be your style, but at least you try to learn something so that you want to make sure that you continue to try to try everything and listen to everyone because you never know what you might get out of it. Oh yeah. And I feel like at the high school level, um, you know, I've been, I've had a chance to really learn, I think from some of, some of the best, you know, uh, at the high school level. Um, Steve Smite, who I think is one of the greatest offensive minds, you know, that you've ever seen at this level. Um, he's coached CFL high school collegiately at UC Davis. Um, Lou Bronson, who was the defensive coordinator at UC Davis for, I think, over 30 plus years. Uh, you know, EGG, who's been the offensive line coach at Davis High School for a number of years. And so I've had a chance, you know, learning from the likes of Jason Fisk on the D line. Um, you know, so I've had a, really had a chance to cut my teeth with some really, really amazing coaches and had some amazing mentors in this thing, too. And I, I think, you know, again, that just kind of speaks to the whole thing about being the lifelong learning and continuing, you know, to just kind of soak up the game as you go. And one thing that's really interesting, too, I don't think people would ever expect badminton in a sport like football to really hit, <laughs> but it's something you found there. Well, what are some things from badminton that you found that really have translated over to when you're training and teaching football? Yeah, well, actually, when I watched how my girls were moving in badminton and the footwork, it was very similar to how quarterbacks would move in the pocket. So one of the first things I did is I was transitioning from coaching football to badminton, which I had never done before. The first thing I had to do was I had to look and say, hey, how does what they do relate to what I know? So then therefore I have some foundation to go forth and say, Hey, like in my past experience, like this is how we would do it on a football field. And this is how that begins to translate. When I looked at the footwork of how my girls were moving on the court, some of the crossover steps, the shuffle steps, crossovers and things of that nature. And it was very, very similar to how a quarterback would move in the pocket. And so I know that there was one day in particular where I came in and I had my badminton girls, like hold a football and move around on the court like they were playing quarterback and they were like looking at me like you know and again I had not been been trained in the traditional ways of teaching badminton and so when I came into it I had a different perspective and I think that like you know the, the athletes that I worked with in that sport like kind of appreciated the non-traditional approach and uh, you know it got results uh, the first year that I was head coach at, at Davis we had a great group of girls we finished second in, in our conference and we were second in the section uh, the next year, I think we finished third in the conference. Again, we made the section tournament. Uh, by the third year, we had won the conference and made the state tournament. We were making the state tournament like year in and year out. Um, and so, you know, I, I felt really good about like I said, if this is something I can do, like I felt good about my ability to teach and listen and just listen and learn and learn and learn. I think that was what I learned more than anything from coaching badminton was that you're never too big to learn. Yeah, no, I, it goes back to the previous point of just being a sponge and learning in different ways and trying different philosophies. And then so let's go back to eat real quick as well. How has your business grown within the last 12 months since the pandemic? Has it hurt you? Has it helped you? Uh, and what has been the challenges during COVID-19 for you? Yeah, you know, before, like my whole thing was, you know, that eat was like we were mobilized training. So it was like, hey, you know, like Monday, I might be in Dixon. Tuesday, I might be in Vacaville. I might be in Woodland on, on, a, on a Wednesday. Thursday, I might be in Davis. And so really for us, it, it became an opportunity, you know, and I think like anything else, I looked at it and said, here's an opportunity. 
I said, hey, you have people who have, you know, these massive, massive training facilities and they cannot let anyone access them. Whereas, you know, in Davis, we had a, an abundance of, of open spaces where I could take kids and train. And so I felt like in the last 12 months, it's really, really taken off. And what I found out is that a lot more people were really starting to wonder and wanted to know like, hey, man, like I saw a couple kids in the video, like doing some weird body spiraling techniques. And it looks kind of funny, but, you know, hey, man, like they're running good 40 times and, you know, their hips are loose and they're able to transition and make good movements, movement patterns. And so I really felt like, you know, as, as the eat got going and people understood that, hey, you know, I wasn't a weightlifting coach. I wasn't that. But what I was is a movement and like understanding how to move better. I think once people understood that, then it really took off because everyone said, hey, like we don't have access to weights. And I've got a kid at home who's alignment. Hey, I really need him to be a little bit more agile. I need his feet to be active. You know, he's got to get his kick steps better and stuff like that. And so I really thought as a, as a moment to just capitalize on the moment. And that's what we did. You know, we felt like we had created something, you know, during the during this pandemic where kids could come and it was safe an environment for them to develop. And so I would say over the last 12 months, I mean, we've seen, you know, I think an, a monumental amount of growth in the EAT program. Um, obviously nowhere near where we want to be, but, you know, we're continuing to see the growth. Um, we're continuing to see good development in our athletes. We're continuing to see, you know, getting good, good um, you know, good interest in things like that from some college scouts and stuff like that. And I think that people are, when we show up now and people see the logo, they're starting to say, hey, man, like the guy's new to the scene, but hey, man, like the product and what he puts out there, the kids he brings, you know, their quality. Something really interesting about you too, you're a coach, you're a trainer, you also teach special ed, like you said, what got you into teaching special ed? And also going off that kind of a two-part question as the coach and trainer in special ed, where does kind of your giving back mentality come from? Uh, I think for me, first and foremost, I think that stems from both my mother and grandmother. Um, you know, they mean everything to me. Um, I think they've taught me, my grandma taught me from the, you know, from a very, very early age. She said, be the first person at work and be the last person to leave and do it every day with a smile on your face. And so uh, I've kind of taken that approach to it. Um, you know, my mom and my grandma really kind of built that, that uh, you know, that work ethic and that kind of thing. Um, my mom's always been someone, she's always been in kind of in healthcare and into helping people and giving back. Um, you know, my grandmother was a Black Panther, you know, by nature, by birth. Um, you know, she was, uh, her brother was Huey P. Newton, so stuff like that. And so I think that just like being a part of your community and like feeling like you, you, you need to give back and pay for it to your community, I think was something that was instilled in me from a young age. Um, and I think like working in special education, I think what happened was I was, I was first working at the school as just a coach. And then uh, a lady saw me one day and was like, you know, hey, man, I was watching you work with some kids and I really, you know, the way you work with them and the way they, they responded to you. She said, I'd like you to show up one day and just kind of follow me around at work and kind of show you what I do and let me know if you're interested in it. And her name was Patty Smith uh, at Montgomery Elementary School here in Davis. And I went for a couple of days, kind of followed her around at work and was like, you know what, man, like this feels really, really good. Um, you know, I ended up getting hired for the Davis School District. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a day where I've actually went to work. There's days where I go to the high school. Um, and, it's a, and it's an amazing feeling because I graduated from Davis High School. So when I walk through those halls and I'm talking to a kid, and he's having a tough time. I can go, hey, man, I've been there. You know, hey, I've been there. And hey, like I've stood in this same spot and cried and been upset about, you know, not passing the math test or being upset about a girl or whatever it is. And so, you know, it, it gives me the ability to connect with them. Um, a lot of people, you know, in my community see me on a day-to-day -day basis. I live in the community, um, as most of our coaches do. And so it gives me a really good chance to connect with our community. I think people also understand, too, because I'm an I'm a employee of the school, 
that those kids mean more to me than just being just football players, you know, and I understand who I, I value them as people and students first and then the athlete part of it second. And so I just think it, it helps me to build just a, a greater connection to the student athletes. Um, but I would just say the whole service thing, though, I think just comes from, from, from my upbringing, you know, from my grandma and my mom and what they've taught me. I think, I think that's a good life lesson and kind of a dream right there too. When you say, I guess you technically go to work every day, but it never feels like you're going to work. I think that's something. It, it never does, honestly, you know? Um, and like I said, you know, I think to me, that's the only, the, the, the down part about this pandemic is I'm used to going to a school and seeing 2000 kids every day, you know, and, and seeing 2000 faces of inspiration. And so now you're not able to make those same personal connections, you know, um, or physical connections, I should say. And so we're finding new ways to engage and make sure that, you know, our students know, you know, that we love them and we care about them. And now yeah, what and are those kind of ways that you're using right now to engage with the students and try to build that personal connection right now? Yeah, well, one thing that I'm doing too is it's, it's a lot less academic talk and it's a lot less asking, well, hey, how was practice? And it's a lot more just saying like, hey, man, like, <clears throat> how'd your week go? You know, and um, like, you know, I, I do this thing where I talk to them each week and I say, hey, man, like, you know, remember that when things get hard that, you know, your parents come in and watch you while you're sleeping and you're what gives them hope. And so just remember that and be that beacon of hope for your family. And then let's go to the Davis football program. How is the program going and how are you guys handling this pandemic right now? Uh, you know, the first thing that we thought of way back in March is we said, you know, we wanted to look at the social and emotional health of our players, the social, emotional, and mental health of them. And so we spent a lot of time just from March until probably April, May, June, you know, just meeting with them once a week, just checking with them to make sure that they were socially, emotionally, and mentally, you know, okay. Um, and it wasn't even about, you know, X's and O's. It was just about, again, just mental health check-ins and making sure that they knew how to access the different supports um, and things of that nature. And then the second part of it, once we figured out like, hey, you know, the physical distancing practices and stuff of that nature, we said, hey, what we started doing was like everyone else who were using the Zooms and things of that nature to like install offense and stuff. And then using the actual physical distancing practices for just like more conditioning and agility type work. Um, you know, it's been, it's been an amazing thing for us. We've got, you know, such an amazing core of young men that have been out there every single day, you know, through a tough, tough amount of circumstances here, you know, getting their conditioning in and really, really working hard and not making any excuses, you know, whether it be the smoke, whether it be the virus, you know, whether it be various things, you know, they've, they've found a way to, to be better each and every single time. And again, I, and I give a lot of credit to both of our coaches, Steve Smite and EGG, you know, for, for creating a program, you know, at-home workouts and check-ins and things of that nature for our, for our players to really keep them locked in and loaded. Um, and it, it's been a really blessing. I think it's been another thing too, again, it, that's been a good thing about their mental health is being able to still check in with your teammates at least once a week through a visual and say, hey, I see you, man. I see you, Chris. Hey, I see you, Greg. Hey, I can't touch it, but I see you, man. And hey, that made me feel a little bit better, you know, just being able to gather with my teammates kind of, you know, we call like the all 35 huddle. And so, you know, that was something good, you know, because usually, you know, the meetings, you know, you got your D-line over here, O-line over here and stuff like that. But it has given us a chance to kind of, you know, really, really kind of come together and fist up, so to speak. And then how much are you guys as a coaching staff then just sending workouts? How much are you asking your kids to work out each week? And how often are you guys just checking in on your players individually? Well, right now, what we're doing is we've got Monday through Thursday, we do like a physical distance, just uh, we do about an hour, hour and 10 minutes of just like cardio and agility training at our school. We do that from about four to five, 10. 
So that gives the ch kids a chance after a long day of Zooming, you know, in school and getting their homework done, that gives them a chance to kind of come out and get a release. Um, a lot of them too is kind of use it also as like, kind of like as their PE class as well. So I think that's been a really, really cool part of it is still the ability at least to get them out there and running back and forth. Like, hey, you got your two cones, you got your two cones, run to your cones, run back. Hey, everyone's, you know, we're keeping our kids at practice at least 10 feet apart away from each other. Uh, we've developed like entry and exit patterns for the stadium to make sure that no one is crossing paths and things of that nature. Um, so we've been very proactive, you know, and I think that's why, um, you know, our athletic director in our district has felt so positive about it because we were so proactive and because we have coaches that are getting tested and things of that nature. Yeah, no, it's good that these kids are able to have a platform where they can go out and do stuff because I know everyone's probably gone through it during this quarantine where you oh. <laughs> don't feel like wanting to do anything. You sit on the couch, yeah, I'm going to have a bag of chips here. Yeah, all right, go have some ice cream or whatever it is. <laughs> you just don't have the energy to want to get up and go do something. So it's nice to have that platform and the continuity of being able to go out there four times a week and just be active. Yeah, so it's been awesome. You know, we've got our, our junior football team. They're going out twice a week doing a physical distance practice, um, you know. And so, again, you know, slowly but surely, you know, like I said, and with all the things that are happening, you know, with the antigen testing and, and the speeding up of the results and things of that nature, we're, I think we're feeling more and more positive about that January season, you know, as the days go by. And now who are some of the guys that you were working with and that have really stood out to you? within the last couple of years? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, man, one kid who's not on a lot of people's radar and it's because he moved from Colorado to California, um, you know, at the, at the middle of the sophomore year. So he played sophomore year, moved to California. So spent his pretty much his <clears throat> sophomore year and his summer going into the junior year in California. Um, but Donovan Garvin, I mean, you know, I've probably sent you, I don't know how many countless emails and clips of the kid, but I mean, when you turn on the tape, there's a lot to love about that kid as a football player. Um, you talk about just a kid, just a hard-nosed competitor, um, a workaholic, <clears throat> just a kid just, who just won't be denied. Um, he's got an older brother that uh, was playing at Nebraska Wesleyan as well. But, I mean, that's a kid to me that just, I think, you know, he's, he's been one of what you call the casualty of the pandemic. <clears throat> he's not had a chance to get out there to some of, the, some of the camps and stuff like that and get onto those college campuses. But he's a kid that – I really feel like if he would have got a chance to be at the Sac State camps and the UC Davis camps, I think he's a kid that would be on a lot more people's radar. I mean, he's got very, very fluid hips. He's a phenomenal tackler in open space, tight space. He's a physical player, um, you know, was responsible for nine takeaways last year. I mean, he, he, you know, he's, when you think about, you know, that deep middle safety, that ball hawk back there, the guy who can play that deep middle and at the same time, hey, you can get him to come down and run the alley and trust him, you know, 100% in the tackling game. I mean, that's Donovan. I mean, you watch the kid on offense. I mean, you know, he, he's got a great throwing arm. Um, you know, he's just an athlete on offense. You know, I don't know. Is he a quarterback? Is he a wide receiver? I think he's a kid that you just get him the ball and you say, hey, man, get him the ball, block for him, let him go. But, I, you know, him along with Xavier – Xavier Chambers, you know, I think those two are going to be quite the one-two punch. And the other kid who no one is really, really talking about is there's a linebacker out of Davis who's had, who's had about 240 tackles in the last two years, Zach Brooks. Um, he's another kid who, you know, again, you know, about 5'11", you know, he's an all-state wrestler, made the rest of the state tournament the last two years. Um, you know, this kid, I, I just, 
I just can't believe that more colleges are not. I mean, they should be literally, even in the pandemic, they should be banging this kid's door down, you know, or, or tearing up his DMs trying to get that kid onto their campus. <clears throat> you talk about a kid who's a phenomenal leader. Uh, you're talking about a kid who's a, who's a high hurdler at 230 pounds. And, I mean, the kid looks, looks every part of linebacker. So, I mean, this is the kid who wrestled at 220s last year and then went out and ran high hurdles for the track team. Okay, like this is what kind of this – I watched a kid at 230 hit the splits in practice the other day. The dude is an unreal physical specimen. He was defensive player of the year this year for the Delta League. And, I mean, the Delta League, you guys know it, it got a lot of Pac-12 talent in it, and they deemed him to be better than, better than those kids. They, he was the defensive player of the year. And so, you know, he's a kid who I, I just – I don't know, you know, what, what it is. But, I mean, he's a kid when you turn on the tape and you watch him, you go, how can you not? There's everything to love about his game. And like I said, I think the last kid, there's a small school kid out of Dixon. His name's Kanye Smith. Uh, this kid's about 6'2", 6'3", about 200 pounds, uh, looks like a defensive end, runs very much like a wide receiver. I mean, this is a kid who just, you know, you look at him, you go, I mean, he's just just a freak. And, I mean, you look at the lower half of his body, you know, the, the quadriceps, the thighs, the feet, and this is, this is a – he's got grown man lower half. He's got a grown man's lower half. And this is a kid who's got nothing but room to really, really fill out the frame, you know, and get really, really big. I know Fresno State's been on him pretty tough. Cal Poly, he's, you know, sent several text messages and stuff like that about him as well. But he's a kid, again, you know, who's going to benefit from kind of from the showcase circuit when he's able to, and he's only a junior. You know, this is a kid who's just scratching the surface of what he can be. I mean, but this is a grown man. I took him out to one showcase. I think you guys were out there. They thought the kid was 25. And the killing part about it, the kid's a junior. He just turned 16 like two weeks ago. So he's young. You know, he'll be he'll turn 17 like halfway through his senior year or something crazy like that. Um, and then, you know, there's a D tackle out of Davis named Patton Miller. You know, you talk about just just a I mean, you talk about a kid who's just a two gap plugger, great hands, great leverage, great get off. Um, you know, he was an all league guy for Davis last year at guard, um, all league guy at nose tackle. He's another kid who I think, you know, if the guy was six foot tall probably have 25 offers you know but because he's not as he doesn't necessarily fit the the measurables chart but again when you turn on the tape and watch the production you go man at some point in time you got to say hey a guy can play right at some point in time you say hey I don't care how big you are the kid can flat out play you know and so you know those are just a few kids you know who I've seen is just I mean really really you know been grinding their tail off and I would probably say the scariest of them all, the kid who, who you know, no one's even seen him really, and you guys have yet to see him, is Aaron Turner. Um, you know, this kid's, you know, Xavier went four four three at exclusive speed, and I would say that Aaron's got to be at least that. So, I mean, you know, him and Xavier are the two kids in practice when you're saying, hey, let's call out a foot race. It's usually those two are usually 1A, 1B. You know, it's one of those two winning the race. Um, you know, that's another kid. You talk about, you know, he reminds me a lot of the kid out of Lincoln, uh, the running back out of Lincoln. Not as thick as Jonah is, you know, and Jonah's a, a, a you know, that kid's just, you know, a freak. But when I look at Aaron, he's, he's got that kind of body potential, you know. Um, he's another kid, too, a wrestler as well. Phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler, runs track and field as well. So both he and Zach are three-sport kids. You don't really hear about those anymore, football, track, and wrestling. 
Um, so, you know, again, you, just, you know, you know, I think Aaron's one, when you see him at the next, at the showcase on Halloween and you see this kid take off in that four, you're going to go, okay, coach, let me talk to you a little bit about this guy. Cause he can, he can motor, he can motor. And he's got, he's got great contact balance, um, can run through tight spaces, catches the ball. Well, um, just, just a really, really good back. Just another kid who, again, who just has not had the exposure to the camps and that type of circuit because he does the wrestling once football's over. And something that's interesting you mentioned, too, is the multi-sport athletes. I know that's a little more rare nowadays, but especially a three-sport athlete, what kind of benefit is that for a kid? Especially, when I just think, to me, he never gets burned out. You know, I think that's why the kids don't get burned out on the 24-7 training. Because, hey, yeah, I'm training for football 24-7, but I'm taking a break because I'm going to play basketball for a while. Hey, I'm taking a break. I'm going and playing baseball. I'm taking a break. I'm going and doing lacrosse. I'm taking a break. I'm going and doing something else, soccer. But I think it, that you got to train all the time, and that's just the nature of how it is now. But I think it's the kids that can, you know, that can change up, you know, and do multiple sports. You know, my wife complains all the time. She never knows what sport she might be driving my son to. You know, they're 11 and 9. We've done, we've done badminton, we've done wrestling, we've tried uh, lacrosse, we've done football, we've done basketball, uh, we're doing track and field, but I think it's just, you know, you never know what a kid's going to be good at. Great example, Shaq Thompson was a, like the number one outside linebacker safety in the country, I think, coming out of his senior year. Kid went and played baseball while he was at Washington, just because just because he's like, why not? I did it in high school. Why not take a chance to do something different, right? I got the rest of my life. I'm going pro in ball. I'm going to play football. Hey, this may be my last opportunity to go off and play another sport. If you're a three-sport, two-sport high school or athlete even, the chances of you going to school and being able to play football and basketball, slim and none, right? I mean, very, very difficult to do. You got to be one of those top, top guys. So you, these kids should take advantage of playing as many sports as possible. I also think, too, what it does, it prevents the, the overuse injuries because you're constantly doing different muscle groups and different movement patterns. Yeah, and you don't get bored, right? You can, if you keep doing the same train over and over and over again, you might lose the passion. But if you continue to go out and do different things, it's going to translate into your other sports. But you also have that different training. It becomes fun still. You still have that enjoyment to go out and do different things. Exactly. Totally agree with that. Yeah. And I want to backtrack a little bit too. So the dead period just got extended again today to January 1st of 2021. How much does that hurt these kids in the class of 2021 right now? Oh, I think it hurts them big time because now you're telling them that, Hey, like you're not going to be able to visit a school until the time when you basically should be playing your season now. So I think it, it's going to create twofold problem. Now what you're going to see is the kid who's like, Hey, I'm going to play a game Friday night. I'm going to like run straight from the team huddle. I'm going to go one, two, three family and run straight to the airport so I can jump on an airplane and go see a school. Or what's going to happen is I think is you're going to have to see kids are going to have to take some chances now and maybe, maybe have to sign with a school that they haven't had a chance to go and visit now. And now maybe, you know, building, I think again, building the virtual relationships with the student athletes. I think this is where now those coaches who are really good at and have built those relationships with student athletes are going to have the upper hand now. You know, they're going to say, hey, I know you haven't had a chance to visit our campus, but we've built such a strong relationship and you know, you really feel like you know what I'm about. I know what you're about. And that's going to be, I think that'll be an advantage. 
I think, you know, if I'm a school that's jumped on the kid early, oh, I'm going to him right now. And I'm saying, hey, I know you didn't get a chance to visit, but man, hey, listen, who fell in love with you first? Hey, man, we loved you from the start. It didn't take 20 other offers for us to fall in love with you. And you're not going to get to go visit those dudes. We've been on you. You've been talking to you since March. These dudes just now came and been talking to you since maybe November, December. What do you really know about them, you know? Um, and so I just think it's, it's going to put some kids, you're going to have to make some tough decisions about, you know, schooling. And it, it may come without even getting a chance to go and see what that school looks like. Because now you're telling a Pac-12 school, you're going to have a kid come visit in January when your season's already been pushed back, where COVID-19 restrictions, you know, how do you do that? If you're saying you can't have fans at the stadium, how do you fly a kid out to watch a game? Yeah, I, and I think it's going to become a trickle-down effect, too, where these kids aren't going to have a chance to visit. And when they do get to the school, they're like, I really don't like the atmosphere here. And you can see a lot more transfers down the line when they do get into college saying, yeah. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see, I think the 22 transfer portal is going to be insane at the collegiate level. And I think to me, I think you hit the nail on the head. <clears throat> it's going to be the transfer portal. will all of a sudden is going to take on a new importance going forward. And I think that's probably a really, really scary thing for the college coaches now. Cause you're saying, Hey, I'm recruiting the kids from 22, but I'm also trying to like also kind of resell the kids that are in my program on staying too. And so I think it, it could create quite a log jam in the transfer portal because kids aren't going to have a chance to really, you know, um, check out the culture of a school. And so they may, you know, end up, you know, a lot of kids will, they'll sign with the, with the logo on the side of the helmet and get there and go, man, this isn't what I thought it was. I got to hit the portal now. Yeah. And I think junior colleges, the next couple of seasons in junior college is going to be really fun because there are a lot of opportunities and with the dead period being extended, I could see junior colleges, a lot of kids taking that route um, instead of going to a four-year. Most definitely. I could definitely see some kids going, man, you know, like, oh, man, like, you know, I had this little bit of an offer here. And oh, oh, I'm not really sure. It's not as attractive as I thought. Well, man, hey, you know what, man, maybe JUCO all of a sudden becomes a much, much better option. You know, I mean, again, you know, really hoping so because I know that it, it the financial burden that's been placed on the junior college level. Um, you know, I heard one report saying they think it's going to take at least four years for junior colleges to recover financially, you know, from this pandemic, um, you know, and that that's that's troublesome. You know, I think we're going to, you know, you're, you're already starting to see some some places, you know, start to drop various sports programs because of financial concerns. And so, you know, obviously that's a concern as well, um, you know. You know, people always tell you all the time, you know, you watch TV and you say, hey, man, that guy should be fired. But, you know, when you think about that, you know, also think about, hey, when a coach, if a program gets shut down or, or a program gets canceled, you know, that coach is losing his salary. There's a family, you know, that, that's got to transition and move to somewhere else because that coach doesn't have a job or has to relocate. And so, you know, there's a, so many revolving factors into it as well, too. Yeah, so definitely. Is that a lot of kids, if you shut down the program, a lot of kids got to completely transition their lives yeah. Who knows where they want to go now? Um, you know, we lost, you know, we lost one of our best players, you know, um, you know, the COVID situation, you know, put him in a, in, a, in a scenario where, you know, it was best for his family to look at, at education at another school. And, you know, we, we totally understood that. And we told our players from the start, we said, Hey, if, if transferring to another school is something that, you know, is in your best interest, because if you have ultimately kids have to do what's best for themselves. Right. And I mean, like, as coaches, like, we don't want to say that, but we do. They have to do what's best for themselves. Um, and so, 
you know, we understood that. And, you know, we told players, hey, if that's something that you guys are, are entertaining, you know, like we're not going to be upset with you. We totally understand. And, you know, we'll support you, you know, letter of recommendation, films and stuff like that in any way that we can. And so, you know, when that young man came to us and said, hey, coach, you know, hey, I'm going to be having to relocate to another state. Um, you know, we totally understood that and we supported them. And, you know, we said, hey, man, whatever we can do, you know, to support you going forward, you know, whatever, let us know because it, it's a tough deal right now. And kids don't get, get to choose those things. And, and right now, parents are being asked to make some tough situations right now, you know, re relocation wise based on job opportunities and financial situations. Yeah, we're seeing that all across the board. I know I read a story the other day, too. We're seeing quarterbacks and other players throughout the country move <laughs> to Georgia or they move to Texas or Colorado yeah. or Utah for a couple of months, just family things or everything that's going on with COVID right now. There's just, it's like you said, it's a revolving door that's affecting. Yeah. Well, I know there's a, a prominent private school up here in our, in the Sacramento area, you know, lost, you know, they've got a quarterback that had some scholarship offers and they lost him. I think he went to Tennessee and, you know, that was, you know, obviously, you know, I don't think their coach is upset with him. They say, Hey, kid had to do what's best for him. But, you know, I mean, that's the that's the reality of where we are right now. That's the new normal. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. And now let's let's get you into some fun questions, some really hard-hitting journalism here. No problem. Favorite, favorite ever home-cooked meal? Oh, man, it's got to be my wife and my grandpa. It's got to be a battle between who makes the best chicken wings. So it's got to be the chicken wings my grandpa makes, the mashed potatoes, and the macaroni and cheese. I mean, I'm an easy guy, man. I love it, man. I'm I'm dying right now. I am I, I'm really getting chicken wings and mashed potatoes and mac and cheese for lunch and for dinner. Babe, call the DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I know Chris is dying too because he's gonna want to call out Giles Chapman. Giles Chapman loves baked potatoes, and I'm sure they're not the mashed mine. potatoes. They're not. They're not. Mashed potatoes are far superior to baked potatoes, and I will fall on a sword for that. <laughs> Hey, shout out to my man, Giles, but I got to go. Hey, man, I love mashed potatoes, man. I, I got to say mashed potatoes over everything for me. This is my littlest son right here, too. What's up, bud? How are you doing? Great guest right there. All right, and then we're going to go into – this is a two-parter. Who is your favorite athlete right now, and who is your favorite athlete growing up? Uh, you know, my favorite athlete growing up was Bo Jackson, just because when I was a kid, like everyone, you know, baseball players and stuff like that, um, I think – I fell in love with sports originally because my uncle took me to a game and Ricky Henderson came running out and the crowd stood up and went nuts. And like, I was like frozen time. I was like, this is it for me. Like, I want to do this. Like, I don't know what, but I want to do this. I like this cheering of the crowd thing when you run out. Um, and so early on, like Ricky Henderson, because he was the stolen base king was like super huge to me. Um, but I really looked up to the multiple sport athletes as a kid, Bo Jackson, the Deion Sanders, um, and even now, as I watch, as I watch athletics now, you know, one of the guys that, um, that I probably, uh, you know, do the most of is my man, Jordan Burroughs. Um, he's probably, you know, like the number one guy that I watch a lot of stuff on right now. Um, you know, even though I'm not coaching wrestling anymore, I just, I have such a ton of respect for Jordan Burroughs. Um, and I just think that, you know, what he's been able to accomplish, you know, the Olympic gold medals and stuff like that, on, on, you know, at the national wrestling or the international wrestling level, um, it's just such an awesome thing. And I think wrestling is one of those sports too, that like, it's just, it's such an amazing, an amazing teacher to both young men and women. And, uh, you know, I really hope that more high school kids continue, you know, to pursue that endeavor, because I think that there's so much that you can learn about yourself, you know, from doing, from doing wrestling. And, and so I really have a lot of respect for Jordan Burroughs and what he does and just, 
you know, really, really love the guy and his work ethic. And, uh, you know, I love like uh, the slogan that he uses, which is embrace the grind, you know, and some people say, oh man, it's, you know, it's, the grind is hard, but so Jordan Burrow says, no, hey man, embrace the grind. And I think that's why he's been so successful. And so I really, really love what that guy's about. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I'm always like, you know, my sons are a huge Russell Wilson's fans, but you know, Jordan Burroughs, that's, that's my guy. I don't like Russell Wilson this week because, you know, we got <laughs> up here. No, no Russell Wilson this week. Still should have run the ball there five years ago. Oh, no. Yeah, man, for real. Oh, come on, hand it off to Marshawn. Let's go. I'll, I'm never going to get over that. Made the right decision there. Ran around my house uh, a couple times that night. Yeah, the entire third quarter, this guy doesn't talk at all. He's all in all the fields because the Patriots are losing. Then, then after that crazy catch from Seattle, this he thinks it's incomplete. He thinks the game's over. Then he finds out it's complete. He flips out again. And then that stupid, <laughs> stupid interception at the end. Thank you. Thank you, Malcolm Butler. Oh, man. Hey, is that, hey Malcolm Butler's done well for himself since then, man. He's got a really good life story, too, of how he got there. Mm-hmm. I, hate to bring, I hate to bring up an old memory, man. That seems like that was, that was a deep wound right there. Well, honestly, watching the Patriots win Super Bowls is always a deep one. But you know what? They can't beat the NFC East. David Tyree's always going to have that over them. Still got six. Always have that over them. Plus, every Patriots Super Bowl, something weird really happens. There's always the flight gate. There's always something weird. Yeah, everyone just says they cheat when in reality they don't. So, what do you guys? Are you guys out anywhere this weekend? Are you guys just kind of? taking this one off or what do you guys be doing it so we've got an offensive so we've got a lineman actually thing going on on saturday we've got that and then following saturday, is that the giant skills academy thing that's right. okay fantastic man i'll be looking for yeah i know they do some good stuff yeah. i was talking to some of our high school guys and saying like hey man really check these guys out and like if you're interested like you're, they would do some really really cool stuff so yeah so that's stuff, man. Our, our plan for this weekend um hopefully it'll be a good weekend that will be our first strictly offensive line defensive line camp so it'll be it'll be a little different than the other ones for sure no i'm really like in socal the o-line d-line stuff is so huge and i think that's why you've seen those socal teams like they've really really like really really accelerated themselves on the football scene and i think in northern california now i know that there's simon g who runs life in the trenches um and they're out of i think stockton in the sacramento area but I know that he's kind of bringing like that flavor up here. And I know that he runs life in the trenches and they've, it's a really, really outstanding offensive lineman program. But uh, I know that in Northern California, we're really trying to really get the O-line and D-line academies going. Because again, it's one of those things that not a lot of people in our area are doing. Everyone does quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, like skill position guys, but not a lot of guys are, are really attacking the linemen. And I think if you started doing it at the youth level, I mean, you would just see, you know, I think kids would be a lot more, open to playing the position too i think it just doesn't get a lot of attention when kids are young so they just don't want to really do it yeah and we're seeing that too with these showcases with yotu some of the linemen we've seen some of the ones that you've seen with us these last couple weeks imagine if they had some of these things like these socal kids had for the last eight ten years oh yeah like where they would be developmentalized there's a kid that uh out of grant a big lex and i mean he's a great example you know of a kid who's been like constantly kind of working the o-line d-line like technique stuff and I think you're, that's why you see him like so much further ahead in terms of his technical ability and physically too than, than his peers because he's put in the commitment to the technical part of playing O-line and D-line. 
Yeah, and I think that'll wrap it up for this edition of the West Coast Preps Podcast. Thanks again to Ty for coming on. I'm sure by our next podcast, we'll have seen Ty five more times. <laughs> Pretty much part hey, of guys. it feels like now. I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me on. And like I said, man, you know, really appreciate what you guys are doing for these young men and women out here, you know, not only for football, but for the basketball, softball, um, the number of articles that you guys are doing about the things that these young men and women are doing off of the courts and fields, I think is outstanding too, because it shows a lot about the character of these young people. And I think a lot of times people see, you know, how good that these young men and women are at sports, but they also forget that they're just outstanding young people too. So yep. thank you guys for all that you're doing. And man, I look forward to seeing you at the next event. Yeah, yes. we appreciate those kind words, and I think it's actually a good segue just to tell about the story you had Thursday from Carondelet, their girl soccer player there, what she's doing, giving back, donating, collecting over 300 clothing items to Juvenile Hall leave, helping out of her church. She'll be able to check that out at westcoastpreps.com, follow all of our work there, all of those stories you'll see here, especially from these showcases we have planned to attend here the next few weeks. Subscribe to our YouTube page where you can see all of Greg's videos and follow us on social media at westcoastpreps underscore. I'm gone, yeah, yeah.